Unspoken Podcast. I'm Coach Hulk. I'm here today with Coach Reddick and Coach Jones. Today we have a special guest, Kyle Johnson Hackett. He runs a CSFL hub. So we're going to be talking to him today about uh, CSFL and sprint football overall. So uh, with no further ado, how you doing, Kyle? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I uh, really like what you're doing. appreciate you guys giving me opportunity to come rap with you all. Um, so go ahead and hop right into it. Like you said, my name is Kyle Johnson Hackett. I'm the founder of the CSFL Hub. Uh, there's a Twitter page, website, Instagram, everything, social media, and production to do with sprint football. I've been doing that since I finished my last season as a former player in 2018, 2019, I guess, the first year that I wasn't an active player. Um, been doing it since then. It's been growing every year. I've been around since I've been around long enough to see the addition of three or four extra teams to the creation of the MSL, just Mr. Sprint Football to a lot of people. Um, been doing it since I graduated college, and I'm going to be doing it for years to come. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like, uh, so you're you're still pretty new as as far as a player goes. You know, not have uh, just played in 2018. Um, what school did you actually play for? So I played. I attended Chestnut Hill College. Um, there in the CSFL, our inaugural season was 2015. So I'll have that pretty unique experience of being on an inaugural team and being a part of a first four-year finishing class and to be a part of that maturation process and, you know, growing up as an individual, there's also as a program, um, played outside linebacker defense and high um, on the edge of the defender. Um, certain seasons call for me to do more. Uh, versus the other. Some seasons call for me to do a lot of both, but basically, the outside linebacker um, did a lot of great things for Chestnut Hill, experienced a lot of success. Um, and that me and my love of sprint football right into it as a you know former alum. Yeah, definitely. Now, why don't you, uh, for everybody listening, what's your, uh, your Twitter handle? Uh, so the Twitter handle for the CSFL hub it up for you right now exactly so it is csfl hub all one word and then i also have a instagram as well the instagram is csfl underscore hub so the twitter at is the csfl hub and then the instagram is csfl underscore hub all right awesome so yeah anybody listening to you know unspoken all the people who have listened before check that out because uh you know, that gives a kind of general breakdown of what uh, sprint football is, you know, not only from the perspective of of the overall sport itself, but also somebody who's played the game from start to finish. So uh, check that out and, uh, you know, get more acclimated with uh, sprint football, especially from somebody who played it. Yeah, I always love talking about the game, educated a lot of people about the game, have helped some guys get recruited and contact with coaches, transfer, um, anything sprint football related. I'm involved in it, hearing about it, talking about it, tweeting about it in some form or fashion. Yeah, that's awesome. That That's definitely going to be beneficial because that's what we're trying to do. You know, that's why we started this podcast is because we want to get the information out there for sprint football. We want to get people on board, um, you know, let them know what it is, what it entails, why there's no difference. Um you know, so, so we're actually, we're, you know, we're going to ask you a few questions, but, you know, I guess I have a few questions for you, um, you know, going based off of, uh, you know, the sprint football and what it is and whatnot. Like when people ask you, you know, what is sprint football? I mean, we get that all the time and I know, I know what we tell them, but if somebody were to ask you that question, how would you answer? Typically, I just said it's football with a weight limit. Um, a lot of people in the sport are familiar with, you know, wrestling, youth football, Pop Warner is pretty big out here. So I just tell people it's football with a weight limit. Tell them what the weight limit is. When I first came into the league, it was 172. We went up to 178 my soft season. I also got that experience too. Um, different weight limits for my career. Um, but yeah, I just told them it's football with a weight limit. And then if there are some follow-up questions, being this, you know, Mr. Sprint Football guy, 
have the video again and highlights and and incredibly impactful players and all of those things why part of the reason I started the website so I could archive such things so people who did have questions could see and watch for themselves um sometimes you know that's a little bit more effective than just word of mouth so um I would usually answer that follow up with links and such so if they had any follow-up yeah no that's 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 uh, a good way to do it you know usually what I'll do is you know, if I'm talking to a, perspe- a perspective player is I'll send them our little hype video that we have. And if they have no idea what sprint football is, I'll send them that video and I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, if you notice anything different about this video, let me know. And then they'll watch the video and I'll say, well, what did you see? And they'll tell me, oh, you know, I saw a dedication. I saw a team. I saw family. Never once do they say, Oh, I saw, you know, guys who aren't, you know, two, 300 pounds. So when I tell them about it, they're like, man, like I would have never known that there was even a difference in the first place. So I think what you said about people being able to see it is definitely an important way to kind of get it, you know, across to people that there is no difference outside of the weight limit. This is still football. It's still competitive and it's still played at a high level. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a great approach. It's definitely a, a great way to take it. Um, I think it's just the, you know, the more senses you can use, the better you can absorb something just like in school. So if I can see it and hear it and, and you know, get an experience live watching a game during the recruiting process or a fan, once they, you know, get their hands on it and actually see a play, you'll see exactly on the nail on the head. There is no difference. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, Kyle, I got a question for you. So what is your um, interaction with uh, the coaches in the CSFL, uh, if there's any interaction at all? Uh, it's pretty much an individual case-by-case basis. Some coaches I have great interactions with. Some coaches I've never spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a spectrum. So, some, again, some coaches have my number in their phone. I have and we could, like you said, chop it up about life, talk, talk, you know, see relevant sprint football stuff or anything. Um, some coaches I know who, you know, may or may not still be current coaches might not really like me as much, but that's life, you know. So definitely a spectrum, but I'd say overwhelmingly most of my experiences with coaches, head assistants, assistants have been positive by far to be, you know, fully transparent about that overwhelmingly positive interactions um but you know it's, it's a spectrum of things hey we we know what it, we know what it's like to have haters unfortunately yeah <laughs> when uh when you're doing big things you're trying to progress you know the haters are always going to come out of the woodwork that's how you know you're yeah. doing the right thing right doing it right exactly so kyle i got a question um I want to take it back to your early days, right? Can you tell us about your senior year and your recruiting process and how you ended up at Chestnut? Sure. So I think I definitely had a little bit more than a lot of my teammates at Chestnut Hill. I had the pleasure of playing with some guys far, you know, and where all city, all state, all county, all region, suburb, whatever, you know, wherever you live geographically, accolade, reward system, all paper, all that. Um, I went to a school, I graduated from a school called Archbishop Ryan. Uh, my last year there, we had a really talented, really talented team, and we were a run-heavy team. I was an undersized slot receiver, so not only did we not pass the ball a lot, uh, we weren't the most sophisticated passing offense at that. We had a 2,000-yard rusher. So we, when we came off the ball, we knew what we was going to do. We was going toe-to-toe. So I didn't have great, you know, high-level statistics. Lots of tape of me blocking taking short catches, you know, getting some yaks. That's about it. We were throwing the ball probably 12 times a game. I'm getting two targets. I'm the second or third best receiver of the team. I'm not the number one option. Yeah. Um, my prospects were, despite that, you know, Division two, Division three level, I was looking at and getting that recruited by some local and D2 and D3 schools out here, as well as Virginia, where I have a lot of roots from. So I was, you know, going to be interested in taking my roots. Um, going down there to play my, some of my family and stuff. Um, and then Mike Pearson, who was the inaugural coach uh, for five years, um, 
reached out to me, came to recruit me and two of my teammates from, from Archbishop Bryant. And I like not know what sprint football was, but at the time the weight was 172. Um, and he had shown me a Army Navy uh, video from a clip from a special ESPN did maybe as far as 2006 or like 2008. Um, and that was my introduction. It was the first footage I had ever seen of at the time, literally on Coach Pearson's phone and then on my laptop when I got home to check it out again. And something that really struck me and hit home for me was the chance to, you know, build something brick by brick and build something for the ground. That was something that was really attractive to me, always been my personality, um, just kind of relentless. And you know, prospects, I was like, I can go be an undersized slot receiver at some of these UCC3 schools and maybe you know, get on the field full-time my senior year. Or I could go here and just roll the dice and just see what happens. And I ultimately chose Chestnut Hill. I'm from the Philadelphia area, so perfect only being, you know, 20 minutes from my house. Um, and just took off from there, made some lifelong friendships, went through those ups, those downs, those highs, those lows, um, on the field, off the field. And I remember distinctively – going into maybe the second or third day. And, uh, as I mentioned, I was a receiver in high school. I didn't have to play defense in high school. We were doing a, a blocking drill, a super intense, heavy blocking day with the receivers. And I remember I made it to like the final round of this, you know, competitive drill. Um, ended up going against one of our older, bigger receivers. who was a transfer from IUP. And ultimately I didn't win that. But just for me to even, you know, best so many guys around my size that's not bigger than me, showed the coaches something, you know, that I had inside of me. And then I remember down with them at the end of that practice. And they said, hey, you know, we have some great guys like Morgan Hill, Lee Bennett, Rex Robinson, Josean Perez. These are all some guys, all-time greats at uh, Chestnut Hill. He said, you can stay in the competition at wide receiver with them and, you know, do your thing and just let it its course or you could come start defense end next practice. And I said, coach, give me a gold jersey. I never look back. Stop taking reps on offense. Just focused on that, and again, my position there evolved over time. Defensive end, outside linebacker, did a little mic as well. Um, but after that practice, I never looked back and did all the great things that just the hell on the field. I mean, man, that's that's very awesome, man. So let's go ahead and just stay with this story right now because that actually led up to another question that I have. So again, like I told you earlier, right? I did my research on you. So how mm-hmm. did it feel, right? knowing that you didn't play no type of defense in high school, you got switched over to defense once you got to Chestnut Hill, right? And if I did my research correctly, your freshman year, you actually was third on the team for most tackles, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. That is correct. So so go ahead and tell us about that. I mean, right, you are, like you said earlier as well too, right? You was like, okay, do I want to go play right now? Right? Or do I want to go play in two, three years from now? So can you take us through your true freshman year at Chestnut Hill and how you ended up third on the team as a freshman, right, as, you know, leading the team and uh, your third on the team as total tackles? Yeah, sure. Um, great question. Um, so, you know, just taking off from – had a really good camp. And, we, you know, we had a somewhat unique first season, uh, no – New team since uh, Chester Hill that year has elected to have a shortened season. Um, all the teams who came in after Chester Hill, Alderson Brodus, St. Thomas Aquinas, um, Caldwell, they had a game season. We actually only had a five-game season um, my first year. We had two buys, essentially. Um, but that you know, just meant we went that much harder because we knew we weren't going to have as many opportunities. And we had our first game against Princeton, who uh, are – First season was actually their last uh, season uh, having a football team. Um, they actually used to have a historic program, and then they just weren't able to keep up as time went on. But in that first game against them, I actually had the first sack in Chestnut Hill history. It's one of my proudest moments uh, of my young life. I'm 20 years old. Um, it's one of the proudest moments of my life. That Coming from what I came from, school to switching to the other side of the ball and Showing up in a big moment like this was just, you know, something that meant so much to me. My mom was in the stand. 
grandma was in the stands, all my homies was up there. So it just culminated in that moment. And it just led to an entire season of me just trying to make plays and, you know, language. But, you know, sometimes getting the shit kicked out of me because we went, you know, those licks. You had to go through um, playing teams with, you know, older guys with seniors at positions, junior positions, transfers at positions, and things like that. You know, it wasn't always pretty, but I always prided myself on being a hard worker and made plays where I could make them. And ultimately, it led to me having a freshman year. And I think I just built off of that year after year after year, just tried to be the best player that I could be. Um, and I had some amazing teammates uh, ultimately on the on the front for me. Uh, my teammate, Brian Layden, is, and I believe it strongly, the best interior defensive lineman to play sprint football. And I think to back that up and I think it's, it was a blessing for me to play next to him because he really didn't rush me he knew I was coming from the other side of the ball but he saw I was a competitor he saw I was willing to work hard and he you know took me along and helped me good at the defensive front seven stuff and then me and him became the punch that was a lot for teams to deal with and ultimately led to us both having successful careers I mean, yeah, man. I mean, I I looked up your numbers, man. I mean, you did have a amazing four years at Chestnut. I mean, you had you had eighty nine solo tackles, forty one assists. That's one hundred and thirty total. Uh, you had thirty two point five t- uh, tackles for loss, and you ended with eighteen and a half sacks. So, I mean, you you was very productive. Yeah. Uh- I definitely um, prided myself on being able to help the team however I could. Like, I played strong side defense and weak side defense and outside backer. Played some mic as well. Um, just whatever I could do to help the team. And despite those numbers, I definitely pride myself. And this is something I tell my kids that I coach um, in high school now. Uh, making the play that makes the play. And that doesn't always come up statistically. And I think some of my favorite plays all time didn't end in me getting a sack, didn't end in me getting a pick, didn't end in me getting a tackle for loss, but maybe I wrong-armed, you know, a pulling guard, and that led to my Mike Backer, John Baldwin getting the sack. Or, you know, I made this quarterback get off his spot, and my teammate, you know, Terrell Bush got the pick. Those are some of my favorite plays, and those don't always show up statistically, which is why I'm such a stickler for film. Um, because great players make plays. That's something I am adamant on as a coach because that's something that really drove me as a player. I can definitely respect that, Kyle, um, because there are it's such things as making big plays, but it's also things, uh, the little things where you just call it making a football play, right? And and it doesn't always show up in the stats or the, on the statistics. Um, is one of those plays of uh, is a matter of fact you get a, give a lot of respect to those defensive linemen right uh, you talk about all those linebackers that make all those tackles and how many uh, linemen like you say uh, do a wrong arm to make it bounce to that linebacker or they seal the edge to make that uh, alley for that uh, linebacker to run up and field. Um, yeah, those yep. are the, those are the things I like to look at um, when I'm watching film as well. Yeah, I think it, it is what makes the difference between a good and a great player because a, a yeah. great player is going to get there. Great, The numbers might look up one year, down one year, but you know, great players typically stay at a certain threshold where you know they're going to produce. It's the other things and how they affect the game that are like, wow, he's not good, he's great. That's the next level type of stuff. So that's something that, you know, despite actually putting up, you know, with numbers that I did, I always prided myself in, you know, how many hockey assists I had or, you know, how many picks do my DBs have where we could watch the tape and it's because, you know, I nailed somebody and that thing came out like duck and you picked it off. How many picks do my DBs have because of me? You know, how many sacks does the other defensive end have because I flushed them? So those are, you know, important things that I kept track of as a player and do now as a coach and do now as a talent evaluator interviewer, film watcher of sprint football. I mean, man, I feel like you get, you dropped a lot of good knowledge out there for guys that do play the linebacker position, the D-line position, right? It, it sounds like you was a, a very unselfish player. W- w- would that be safe to say? 
certainly, certainly. Uh, the particular defense we ran, I was known as the Bulls, so I was the weak side defensive end. Mm-hmm. So one of my main responsibilities is most defensive guys in the forefront is to set the edge. Um, but also more importantly, and first things first, you have to earn the right to rush the passer, so you have to stop the run. Yep. So I was oftentimes had to sacrifice my get off mm-hmm. um, for the pass rush on, you know, maybe situations where it was 50, 50, like, you know, second and long things like that. Um, I would often have to sacrifice for the betterment of the team um, because I like to employ a technique known as reading the knee. Um, that's how we were brought up, um, you know, at Chestnut Hill at the particular time, our defense line coach was coach V and it was very, made us very successful, particularly stopping the run. But the flip side of that is you're going to sacrifice and get off, you know, from time to time um, when it's a play action type of situation. So that's something I always had to prop myself on, you know, despite me not having as many sacks as I probably could have, probably did cost me four or five over the course, you know, over two years, three years, things like that. But it was more important we stuffed this run. It was more important I eat this double team so Brian can get the sack, things like that, as we mentioned before. I mean, truly understandable, man. So let's fast forward a little bit, right? All right, you getting down to your senior year, right? You about to graduate. What made you start the CSFL hub? Like, what what was the whole goal behind that? Um, were you aiming to just get sprint football out there more, give it the recognition that you felt like it deserved? Like, what was really your thought process, you know, leaving college and creating this masterpiece of the CSFL hub? Great question. Um, so, like I said, finished up the season, you know, going through this journey with my family, my brothers, you know, and everything we managed to accomplish there, you know, a lot of pride there, a lot of joy, a lot of, you know, happy emotions despite it being over. And one thing that came with starting an inaugural program that there was nothing laid before us. So something that always interested me, you know, even in me, loving professional sports, basketball, football, things like that was, you know, production numbers, like where someone finished in points and rebounds and assists and football, you know, passing yards, achieving touchdowns, interceptions, things like that. And since we were a part of the first inaugural class, um, we had laid those foundational, you know, numbers of production and, and lore and stories and all that stuff. And throughout my time as a player, I had always noticed that there was no really central location to see things so like the, the CSFL website at the time was outdated. Uh, individual schools, histories, record books were kind of hit or miss. Some schools kept great stats like Penn and Navy. Other school stats were you really had to dig like and find like Army didn't keep the best stats at the time. Um, Princeton didn't keep the best stats at the time. Franklin Pierce was another team. They didn't keep the best stats at the time. So that always bugged me. Like I always wanted to see, you know, you know, who who was great before me and things like that. So that was the original um, cause for me. I was like, man, let me like just start adding up numbers and stuff. Um, so I scoured the Internet. And this is over the course of basically from the first day of spring semester of my last year. So, you know, January 7th, whenever the kids come back to, you know, graduation, I was just working on that you know, as well as my studies for my last semester, just figuring out what website service I was going to use, like settling on WordPress, again, scouring box scores just endlessly, like on multiple search engines, Google, Yahoo, Bing, um, just looking for box scores and then starting to see patterns with names and stuff and keeping meticulous notes and records because this box score says it's 100 yards, but the other box score has the net loss. He lost a yard, two yards in CSL, so it's 98 yards and having to decide which one of those box scores to use. And I just did all of that my last uh, year at Chestnut Hill. And then I said, all right, like this summer I'm going to launch it. You know, bought a domain name, did all that stuff, got my funds up. Um, and I launched it for that very following season. And it was humble beginnings. I don't have any like screenshots or anything of how the website used to look and stuff, but I just took my talent as a writer. I had written a little bit for the school paper and in high school. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, took everything I had in terms of numbers and just being a first person account of print football and just knowing the league. And again, just being fresh out, knowing all the players, all the players on different teams, all the players on my team. 
and still living in the Philadelphia area, I was able to go to basically every Chestnut Hill game and all but like one or two pin games. And if you line that up right, you can see basically every team in the league just between the two teams we have here in Philadelphia. And I just kept going from there. Got great response from players. Got great response from alumni, coaches. I actually originally took the idea to, you know, an individual who was working for CSFL at the time, like the organization, the governing body. Uh-huh. Um, Mike Pierce put me on um, and gave me the information. I let him know my idea. I'm like, hey, I'm about to be an alumni. I've got this great idea. Like, we could do Instagram. Everything you see me doing now, basically, like all E awards, Instagram, YouTube, you know, Twitter, like a podcast. And this is me coming from humble beginnings. I'm like, hey, I'm willing to do an internship. I'm willing to, you know, I'm just spitballing here but like we got to get things going and it wasn't well received uh to be honest it wasn't really well you know it was kind of like oh that's you know sounds nice but it really nothing came of the conversation and um coach pearson love him to death again he gave me my collegiate shot he's like man if you want to do this do this shit and i was like all right i'm gonna do it so just a kid in the iphone with the internet again did all the research did all the site designs bought all the domains and just been growing year and year since then. And here we are today, two leagues, you know, multiple teams, all national awards, stuff like that. And I feel where CSFL hub is as big as it's ever been. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you a question about this. Cause this kind of ties in with, with what you were just talking about. Like when you were talking about wanting to do this, you know, there was the one coach that, you know, you know, told you, yeah, go for it. But there was others that were kind of hesitant and, for me, I always wondered because, you know, next year is going to be 90 years of, of sprint football as a thing. And to me, I always wondered why it's taken so long for it to progress. So, like, the CSFL mm. was the only it was the only league until the MSFL popped up. So yep. why do you think that is? Like, why do you think people are so, like – I don't know. I don't want to say hesitant or, you know, giving pushback, but why don't you, why, like, why at the end of the day, isn't there an Alabama sprint football or like a Clemson sprint football? Like, why isn't this broken into like a North, South, East, West division? Like, mm-hmm. that's why we started this is because we want to get sprint football known and it to be more of a normal thing. But it just seems like, you know, with 90 years of it being a thing, you would have think that it would have gone further. So why do you think so many people either are not so for it or it just hasn't become bigger than it should be? That is a great question. I think there's multiple layers to that. Uh, I definitely firstly would say I don't think I could speak to anything from the old age, old days, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60s, you know, there's schools that didn't have, there are schools that existed, didn't exist then, you know, different resources, things like that. But I think as you creep towards like the 90s and onward and stuff, right, um, is where is a good place to really look at those questions. Um, and I think, I think there's a geographical part and a personnel part. Mm-hmm. I think geographically, I'm not sure why um, it, it didn't, you know, really take a foothold in a lot of places. And maybe geographically it's, it's more of a byproduct of the personnel issue. So maybe that's a good place to attack it. But personnel-wise, like teams that were in it and coaches and administrators and things like that, um, things were the way they were for a very long time. For instance, I think the weight before 172 was 150-something. I believe it was like 158. It was that from the almost the inception of the league until whenever they went to 172. And then it was 172 up until 2015. Right. So yeah. it is it has shown, you know, the CSFL as an entity, no matter who was the head or part of a governing body, has not very heavily leaned into change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost forced into change. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that, in the last, you know, 12 years, the CSFL has changed more than it, it has in the past 80 years. Yeah, right. So, and, and you know, the, the creation of the MSFL has come, you know, we went from one league to two leagues longer than the entire existence of the one league. Um, so I think just a traditionalism that is heavily linked 
to, you know, a lot of the former um, maybe heads of the CSFL were like former administrators at the schools that made up the league at the time. So like either like someone from Cornell or someone from Army or someone from Navy or someone from Penn, things like that. So you just had a very traditionalist outlook on the status of the league. Um, all being guys involved in football, we know how much traditionalism is involved in football and how, you know, old habits have died hard in football, the game itself. So it's no crime that that leaked into the administrators governing the sport. I think they have uh, made some amazing strides. You know, CSFL website's been updated in the last two or three years. Again, the creation of the MSFL is the biggest boom, um, you know, in the sprint football ever. Just again, Chestnut Hill kicked off a, a four-team uh, streak of teams entering the CSFL. Um, you know, two new teams coming to the MSFL. There's still talks of teams adding to the CSFL. So I think it's been a downhill snowball effect that's gotten really, really big of late. But originally it was like caterpillaring and inchworming, just very, very slow. Um, hopefully any old or super traditionalist ideas begin to waver out. I still think there are some deeply rooted ones and deeply, you know, some strong ones that'll be harder to buck. You know, maybe some things revolving around schedule, um, maybe some things revolving around ways, you know, we reward players for certain aspects and certain things. Um, I think there are still some, you know, diehard traditionalist values maybe attached to those two concepts. But there has been a lot of productive change in the last, you know, 15 years compared to the last 80 years. All right. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and stay with this right here, right? Because I like this conversation that we're having right now. So I got two two questions for you. All right. So first question, what was your initial reaction when you heard that sprint football was starting to expand into the MSFL being created and things like that? And then my second question to that would be, you know, after watching both leagues this uh, this past season, do you have favorite teams? Is one league, you know, better than the other? Like, give us some insight on how you feel because, again, you are one of the original people of sprint football in the minor day that helped, you know, expand it and build on it. So how did you feel with your first initial reaction hearing about the MSFL? And then do you have a favorite league, favorite teams, or the teams and guys that you like to watch in both? Just give us a little bit behind the scenes of how you feel. Gotcha, gotcha. More great questions, great questions. I'm loving it. Uh, so my initial reaction, boy – I was I was through the moon. I was smiling ear to ear. I don't remember what I was doing, but I remember I was like I remember how I felt. Like just a just a wave of excitement uh, went over my body, and I just immediately began, you know, to just dig and dig and dig and like you know verify this and and all this type of stuff. So it immediately was just a great reaction from me. That's something that you know as players in the CSFL you would talk about, you know, how you know, you're just chopping it up in the locker room. Yeah. Never thought that would really happen. You know, I never thought this we'd see this day and to be so soon after I just, you know, finished playing. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I had no idea at the time that it was in the works. I didn't know that um, the former, uh, the woman who is the AD now at uh, Fontbonne and she was a part of Caldwell's um, administration before. So, it was all news to me and extremely well-received. I was excited uh, from Jump Street and just, again, just immediately integrated the MSFL and everything I was doing in research and all that good stuff there. Okay. And for the second question, mm-hmm. so I just love sprint football. I'm watching, you know, all the games whenever I can all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely have some players who really open my eyes and that I'll begin to follow closely. Um, I'm, I'm, I watch all the games, so I see every team play. Uh, I, I don't discriminate with that. If there's some sort of time conflict, I don't know if you've ever seen some pictures I've tweeted. I have like two or three laptops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, yeah, if I'm not doing something, like if I'm not out on, you know, out somewhere at a family function or I'm away for some reason, I'm watching the games. Uh, again, along with coaching football, I chop off like 10 weeks of my fall just back-to-back-to-back-to-back weekends. I don't really make too many plans. You know, I enjoy the rest of my year. You know, I enjoy days here and there when I can, but my fall 
you know, in the summer leading up to it, you know, starting in August is pretty much dedicated to football like it's been when I was a player. So I'm locked in. So I'm watching pretty much 95% of the game, either live or on huddle um, in both leagues. Um, if not live, I'm watching the games I couldn't watch the next day because of time conflicts and stuff. Okay. Um, so definitely like some guys in your team. I think just to start with Ray Lindert, um, is a, a player who I've been watching, you know, since turning on your games, um, seeing some of your film, um, from practices and whatnot. He's always been a guy that stood out to me and how impressive he is as, you know, an edge defender for you guys, pass rusher, affecting the pass. Um, another, I think the, the running back. Uh, you guys have in this league, you know, spearheaded by uh, Brandon Reed, uh, Bellarmine, uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Carrera, mm-hmm. Uh, Mary to Woods College, Jonathan Fleming, um, uh, CCSJ. I, I just watching those three dudes play week in, week out was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think those have the potential to be absolute stars and record setters because they're setting the records, but they, they will be finishing with numbers that'll be all time great numbers in sprint football and give incoming recruits, you know, something to shoot for um, as you guys continue to recruit year in, year out. Uh, lots of good receivers throughout the league as well. And um, I was really, really impressed with some of the offensive line play. That's mm-hmm. been area on, again, all levels of football that can be highly predicated on whether you win or you lose, um, how your offensive line plays. And I think, you know, you guys being in it for a year now, you see it's the hardest position to recruit because of the size aspect from time yeah. to time. But they exist. The guys are out there. Like I played with, I played with dudes. Um, right. You know, some guys had to switch positions, play with some dudes who played old line. Um, they maybe were just one ninety or you know two hundred pounds or something like that. But they always been five eight. They always been five nine. You know, so uh, really impressed with some of the offensive line play in the CSFL. There's which I'm super eager to see you guys create in the MSFL. Mm-hmm. And again, football guys, you know this. There are patterns. And, you know, teams have a theme mm-hmm. and they, they, no matter, even if the coaches change, sometimes the teams have a theme and a tradition like Navy. You ever watch the Navy game? They are a running tote in the pill football team. Everything they do, everything they run is predicated on being able to tote the pill. And that's no coincidence. They've had a lot of all time great running backs to play, ever play sprint football. Right. Um, and, has always had very, very, very good quarterbacks. In my opinion, three of the best five quarterbacks to ever play sprint football happened to come from Penn, and they actually all played back-to-back-to-back, essentially one of the back-to-backs. There was a gap year, and then that dude, the next dude was a freshman. Um, but they've had fantastic quarterback play for a long stretch of time. You're always going to get sophisticated passing games, deep passing concepts, and quarterbacks who are going to be up for MVP every year. Army has also traditionally had very, very strong quarterbacks because of the offense that Mark West run there. So lots mm-hmm. of put the quarterback in positions to make great plays down the field, but also get it out of his hands early and fast. You're going to see a lot of quarterback numbers and consequently receiver numbers there. So I'm super excited to see the patterns and the themes and, you know, the the hearts of the, the teams in the MSFL come out and see which teams, you know, take the which patterns of football and style of football the most. Yeah. Um, but in the CSFL, I, I'll watch more so for the team aspect because there are great players year in, year out. Alex Toda for Navy, the running back this year, had one of the best individual seasons in sprint football history. It's crazy. Um, he finished his career with like the second most rushing touchdowns ever. Uh, Mansfield has a, a quarterback named Kassid Raymond. Um, if you haven't seen uh, any Mansfield games, I have plenty of tape out there and stuff. I can definitely put you guys on. He's one of the most dynamic athletes I've ever seen in sprint football. Um, he's probably the fastest quarterback to ever play in sprint football. Um, and if you watch some tapes, you'll see why. Um, so lots of guys like that. Um, I, I usually keep a very close eye on defensive ends and linebackers because, you know, that's where my heart is. So um, – Lots of guys throughout the league who are who are capable. Travis Legum for Penn was an interior guy who was very capable this past year. Army and Navy usually have good outside linebackers, defensive ends from time to time. But I'm more of a team. And then as I watch the teams, because I watch so many games, certain players start to stand out to me. Yeah. yeah. So I need you to do me a favor, Kyle. Can you please do mm-hmm. me a favor? Sure. Right now, on record, can you set the record straight and let everybody know if you say that a record 
has been broken or anything like that, it's coming from you, right? Because I think we got a little bit of pushback from other teams in our league and even some of the people here of did Ray really is – is Ray really a record holder? So can you just set the record straight and let everybody know that you legit do your homework, you legit do your research, you keep up with all the stats and everything like that. Um, you just named off a bunch of great guys that played in the CSFL. You named off a bunch of great guys that's in the MSFL after year one. So can you just set the record straight for the world? Certainly. So any time you see CSFL Hub tweet or put out an Instagram or any sort of video, it is me – unless stated in the tweet, like video by, you know, so-and-so or tweet by so-and-so. Um, in regards to anything statistical, I have and can say with pride and, you know, my chest puffed out, have searched the internet aimlessly for anything related to sprint football. And I have in the stats page on csfohub.com, on the top page where it says art and you know, on the top it says archives, stats, things like that. If you click that, I have a little mission statement in the beginning before I go into career stats, season stats, game stats, that I acknowledge room for human error and I acknowledge I am not, you know, infallible or omnipotent. There may be a mistake you see, you know, frequently as writers do, I'll misspell somebody's name or something, something like that, get a digit wrong in a year of graduated class, something like that. If you see something, let me know. I had no problem changing it. Mm -hmm. And if it is, if it is, you know, regarding statistics, if you can show me otherwise, I will change it because I went to, you know, Cornell's uh, 2007 season to see the box score for this uh, 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 pen running back who I've been tracking all his seasons, but I couldn't find the schedule sheet from Penn that season. Like I'm the person who, like I said, I, check something on Google, then I would check it on Yahoo, then I would check it on Bing. And, you know, just to get everything circulating. I got subscriptions to, like, PA newsletters and, and newsletters. I'd get a subscription for a month just to have access to their archives for things. Just so, because I knew, you know, the PA uh, paper put out Penn stats from 1989 because I'm trying to find Tim Ortman's stats because it was, you know, they was keeping stats. Might as well have been on chalk and stone yeah. in 19. Uh, right. But I was willing to do that because that's how much I care about sprint football. And that's how much I cared about having a centralized source. So for the record straight, it is always me. I was the person who let uh, St. Mary's at a Woods college know that uh, Brendan Landry had broke the record for the most passing yards in the game that was previously held by Todd Bolster, who graduated from 10th in 2007. So if you can't mm -hmm. spit it out just like that, then, you know, People have challenged me too, as well, and that's usually how I'll come back at them. Mm -hmm. It's like if you can show me or prove to me that there's a number discrepancy, I'm, I'll happily change it. But again, I reached out, you know, to your head coach, let him know, like, yes, you know, Ray broke, you know, has these records for most tackles in the game or tackles for loss in the season, um, and that's how a lot of the MSFL records are going to look. I think people sometimes just hear records and maybe. Don't read that it says career, you know, season game or career, right. but they just think career record. Obviously, someone who's only played one season is mm -hmm. not going to have some of the career records that currently exist. Right. But as players play two, three, two, three, four seasons, you guys have some players. There are players in the league currently right now whose numbers will be, you know, they'll finish fourth all time in rushing touchdowns. They'll finish fifth all time in, in passing yards. They'll finish seventh all time in tackles. They'll join some of these elite groups, you know, the 20 touchdown club, a, a culmination, a list of players who have 20 all-purpose touchdowns and, uh, you know, 100 tackles, 30 tackles for loss, 15 tackles club. Because I noticed a trend where only a certain number of players and defenders in league history have those culmination of stats. Yeah. Um, but any stats that any SFL players are breaking pretty much until you have your first group of guys as seniors are going to be game records. Mm -hmm. and see the record as you finish individual season. So for the record, anytime you guys are getting numbers and stuff like that, most likely it's for me until it starts coming from your own numbers that your own records are keeping. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that, brother. Yeah, that's big time. That's big time. Um, So speaking on that, matter of fact, um, how is your relationship with the MSFL 
uh, coaches since this league is growing. Um, these are newer coaches. Um, have you been in contact with these guys? Um, have you built a relationship with these guys or rapport? Um, like what's going on in that area? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I, I, again, I always say overwhelmingly, it's been an amazing positive experience. I've, you know, when coach Connor got the job, I remember we spoke on the phone, you know, in anticipation for this past inaugural season you guys had, um, and same thing, just chopping it up, being real, being transparent, you know, advice, tips, just two guys talking ball. Um, so great experience with you guys at Quincy and across the league. I haven't uh, spoken to every single head coach personally just yet, but the door is always open. I've spoken to assistant coaches on some other teams, um, but I have not had a negative experience uh, with any coach uh, in the MSFL. Um, and I opened all, you know, lines of communication. I've talked to some coaches in DM first before, you know, we chat on the phone. But guys have straight called me, you know, out the blue, like, hey, I got you number so and so. So nothing but positive experiences so far with all the coaches in MSFL. I mean, awesome. That's great, man. That That's really great. Yeah, that, that is big because um, as we continue to grow, like we said before, we got two teams coming in this year. Um, we're adding more teams the year after. Um, as we continue to grow, we hope that you grow as well. Appreciate that, fellas. Appreciate that. And, that you know, that's the plan. Ultimately, like I said, CSL Hub really just exists to be a, a source of sprint football content, um, to be where people can go when they do have questions. Um, I'm, I've seen a huge growth, um, you know, organically in followers and stuff, but it ultimately a big chunk of it is, you know, in con you know, because of you guys in the MSFL, you know, getting prospective recruits and stuff to follow the page. You know, I want to be a tool to help all of the teams and coaches in the recruiting process. Like I yep. said, being a guy who saw sprint football for the first time on a coach's phone in his admissions counselor's office in high school, so now there, are, you know, are there is film out there on YouTube. You know, there are entire clips, there are entire games, there are elite players who had success post sprint football. There are plenty of student athletes who are going on to do amazing professional things because they got their education. Um, and I want to be a hub for all of those things so players, parents, coaches can see what sprint football has to offer and why it's an absolutely amazing game. Yeah. Yeah. So you know we we like to keep this under an hour, but we're I'm at about we're at about forty seven minutes. But I just had a, a kind of like a two part question for you here, real quick. Um, okay. The first part is you know you being a high school football coach, right? So one, how would you promote sprint football to like say your guys? Um, you know because now everybody has this kind of D one or bus mentality. So the first part of my question is. You know, what do you tell your guys that you coach that are considering going to high, uh, going to college? You know, about considering sprint football as an option for one, and then two, where do you, where would you like to see sprint football in the next five to ten years? Awesome. That, that's a that's a great question. Uh, as for the first part, um, when I'm talking to my kids or any kids I've trained um, before coaching high school, I coached youth, you know, fresh out of college for about two years out in Harleysville, Pennsylvania. So right from playing, I got right into coaching. It should be year four, year five, something like that. I always, I say, first go off of body type, right? It's no point in me unless they ask and we just chopping it up as coach player, you know, about some of the intimate details. You know, my six foot six, you know, man child of a kid, he don't, you know, it ain't really, it's not for him. You know right, what I'm right. saying? It's not for him. Um, so, you know, I don't catch myself really diving super deep with my big guys, except them just wanting to hear war stories and, you know, we're going over techniques and I'm using my experience and stuff like that. So that would be first, you know, usually either undersized linemen on my team or some of my skill guys, I've quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, DBs, linebackers, things like that. So when I'm speaking to them, uh, I usually just approach it from the fact, again, they have a good relationship with me. So that's first and foremost, you know, I take pride in being the type of coach that players can talk to about football, about life, about anything. So they're extremely receptive. And I think me personally working with such a young age, so I'm one of the primary coaches. I'm the co-defense coordinator for our freshman team at LaSalle College High School. Uh, they haven't been, like, tainted by any – potential like negative talkings about sprint football like you said some of the people who are naysayers who are haters type of thing 
Um, so they don't have that in their head. They don't, they don't, it's, it's not something that exists to them. Um, and it may be something you guys experience out there because until recently, most people hadn't even heard of it. So it's like a, a fresh, clean slate in a lot of the people's minds. Same thing with my kids at LaSalle because I particularly have such a young age. Um, we actually have our varsity kicker getting recruited uh, by Chestnut Hill. Um, did not foster that connection at all. That just happened organically because he knew about spring football. So Chestnut Hill's been there for a couple of years now, and the two schools actually aren't super far away. Um, so I think, one, just approaching the right kids about it, um, just from a sheer body spot size perspective. And two, the longer you're there, that footprint, there's less explanation I have to do. So in this particular part, pocket of Philly and some suburbs is touching. I don't really have to do too much explaining. Again, that's where a lot of the kids who attend that school come from because now Chestnut Hill has been there for seven, eight years. Um, and they have maybe seen her game or they've heard of it or they know their buddy's cousin who played for Mansfield, who played Chestnut Hill, things like that, you know? Um, so that's how I answer the first part of your question. And could you say your second question again for me? I'm sorry. Yeah. So I was just, I was just wondering, you know, where would you like to see sprint ball sprint football be, or where do you think sprint football is going to be in the next five to 10 years? Awesome. So where I would love to see it be is if not another league, just completely fleshed out full two leagues, MSFL, CSFL, I would love to see some crossover games. I know Bellarmine and Elderson Brodus had a scrimmage this previous season, and that was great. That was, you know, an eventful, lively um, game. I think both teams took away a positive experience from it. I would love to see crossover games. I know geographically and finances sometimes can dictate those things um, as a message to players, um, talking to players a lot. I think sometimes, you know, you guys being on the other side of it, and I'm also an admissions counselor at a college uh, and an athletic liaison, so I'm starting to see a bigger side of that pie as well. Um, it's not as easy as that, as you know. You all know you guys think about buses and hotels and you know venues and things like that. But I would love to, you know, maybe the closest teams to each other play or save up for that one game, something like that in terms of crossover games, even if it's at first just the champions play or something like that. But getting a consistent regular season off the ground, even if it starts with just two teams playing each other three years in a row, because nobody else wants to do it. We'll jump the ship first. We'll jump gun first. Um, so I would love to see that MSFL so crossover game. I'd love to see some more television exposure currently here in the CSFL. Uh, teams will play on ESPN plus because of Ivy league schools have a relationship with ESPN, but mm -hmm. they play on ESPN plus. So I've played on ESPN Plus, playing Penn and playing Cornell. So that's always a super dope experience. Um, playing at Navy, you play in the field, on the field that their Division One team uses. So you get to play on that, you know, great, great field with those big jumbotrons and stuff like that. Um, I think Navy swung ESPN3 sometimes. I know when they played Army in the championship game this year, it was on ESPN3. Uh, so more coverage even if it starts even if it's just more streaming like that obviously we live in a streaming era so it can be that counted as television coverage but more streaming options on networks like that i think would go a long way um i think those would be the biggest three things because then that helps everybody it helps teams recruit it, it puts the sport out there more it helps the players shine and you know go get that glory that's why we all love the game highlight the players you know who are also getting their education so that's where I would love to see it be, where I think it's headed. Um, is it just generally in a good place? Two leagues, two more new teams coming. Uh, the CSFL has recently had more parity than it's had in years past, um, traditionally. So I think that's a great thing to see, you know, your Mansfields and your St. Thomas Aquinas's and your Outerson Brodus's and your Chestnut Hill start jostling and jockeying, you know, for position to get better and competing, you know, with Penn, Army, Navy, and Cornell. Um, and their traditions there in the league as well, I think, are very strong. So I think sprint football is headed to a really good place, and I'm here to help it and be a part of it however I can. I mean, that's good, man. That's good, man. I'm glad that you are doing what you are doing with the CSFL Hub. Uh, I'm glad that you are you was able to come on here be a guest on our podcast. But I did hear you say earlier uh, about your podcast. So uh, before we get out of here, 
Can you just talk about your podcast, the name of it, uh, where everybody can find all your episodes and things like that? Explain to the people, you know, what you talk about and things like that. Sure. So you can find uh, my podcast on all the uh, social media options or podcast options that you would currently have. So your Apple Podcasts, your Spotify, um, Stitcher. Um, I go through a service called Anchor. So they just put it on, you know, six, seven, eight different podcast streaming options. But Spotify and Apple Music, when I look at the breakdown, are where most people are listening to it on. Uh, but it's called CSFL Hub Podcast. CSFL Space Hub Space Podcast. And during the season, I am doing weekly breakdowns and reviews of the game. So just, you know, going over what happened, if I watched it, giving my, you know, take then. If I couldn't watch it, I'll try and watch it, you know, the morning before. If it's like a YouTube situation where I can replay it. If not, sometimes I will have to post the episode without seeing one or two games I didn't see um, because they might not make it to huddle, you know, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday, whatever the case may be. Um, so weekly reviews, breakdowns of games, highlighting players, situations, things like that. It's where I'll also break news, you know, sometimes um, if I can catch it in a nice, you know, news timeline fashion. I'll do some general conversations on there. Uh, like, you know, I've done Hall of Fame podcasts in the past. I've done, you know, interviews with players as we enter the season. I usually do about two or three of those every summer just whichever players I can catch in uh, our schedule lineup, things like that. I've interviewed some great players like Carl Watson in the past from Caldwell, Makai Matthews from St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Terrell Bush from Chestnut Hill, so uh, uh, Matthew Herman from Penn. So I I definitely enjoy being able to interview players in the summer. I'll definitely open the door and invitation to MSFL players, you know, again, if our schedule is lined up and stuff as we go into next season. So just a one-stop shop for sprint football talk, you couldn't watch the game, you get a little quick rundown. Um, and if you did watch the game, you know, you might be able to hear that shout out. If you, you know, score three touchdowns, game winning pick, something like that. Man, that's, that's awesome, man. That's really is, man. We wish you nothing but success. Um, from here on Appreciate out, it, man, with your platform and what you have going on and what you're doing just for sprint football alone. Right. Like you said, man, we, we really don't get the recognition, uh, that we really deserve. That's why, you know, us working together and us working really hard to kind of push it out there so people can be aware of it and know that this is another option for you to go to college, right, and be a collegiate athlete, compete at a high level. I mean, you already just on our podcast alone has already just – you named plenty of all-star sprint football players, guys who a lot of players ain't even heard of, guys that I, I haven't even heard of, and I did my research – Right, right. That's why I got the history aspect of it. But, yeah, man, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, so, hey, man, once again, you know, we appreciate you taking the time to come out on the show. Uh, we appreciate everything that you do. You know, you know, we're on the same level as you. We're trying to get, you know, sprint football to be on that next level, you know, get it out there so people just, you know, they want to be here. You know, it's like the whole field of dreams thing. If you, you know, if you build it, they will come. So, uh that's just what we're trying to do. But, uh, you know, keep up the good work that you're doing. You know, hopefully maybe sometime we could collab on some sort of event, um, you know, and just and just keep making sprint football uh, advance and get into a better place than it is. But, uh, you know, thank you very much for coming out. Um, once again, if you could just give everybody a quick rundown of, uh, you know, where you could be found on Twitter and whatnot, and then uh, we'll, we'll get out of here. Sure. Uh, thank you. Real quick, just thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. You know, the door is always open just to, you know, talk ball, talk whatever, on the record, off the record. You know, you guys have my number now, my contact information. So we type family in my book. So you can find CSL content on Twitter at CSL Hub. Um, again, that's me. I have a great writer um, who also helps um, with uh, some of the articles sometimes named Cole Jacobson. He's a pen alum. Um, and he will also help type and write. He's written some fantastic articles. Um, another guy who just wants to see sprint football grow, and he is a great writer himself. He actually works out in California for the NFL Network. So that's another alum who's doing very good for himself professionally. Um, but, yeah, you can find all tweets on Twitter at CSFL Hub. On Instagram, you can find me at CSFL underscore Hub. 
and on all your normal podcast streaming services. You can find the CSFL Hub Podcast, CSFL Space Hub Space Podcast. All right, man. We appreciate it. Well, uh, I appreciate you guys, fellas. Thank you. Yeah, once again, thanks a lot for coming out and uh, speaking with us. And uh, to everybody else that's listening to the show, thanks again for your support. Thanks again for listening. This is Unspoken Podcast. This is uh, where we keep it real and keep it sports. So until then, God bless, and we'll, we'll be talking soon. God bless. God bless.